What's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of The Bible Boys. My name is James. I'm Pip. We're sitting here in a lecture theatre at Moore College. It's a, what day is it? Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon. Um, And it's about to rain. Okay, now hopefully that's not a pathetic fallacy. (laughs) Am I using that term correctly? It was a prophetic fallacy. No, it's pathetic, isn't it? I'll be honest, I've forgotten what a pathetic fallacy is. I think it's when the weather kind of anticipates what's going to happen in the story. Oh, okay. So if it's about to rain and we're about to do the Bible Boys, yes. that does not bode well for the Bible Boys. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, I, I, that's that's really interesting because we didn't talk about this beforehand. I have, I'm here to take you to task, Mythos oh, of Witheridge. Why? What's that? You have failed to do what you ought to have done. What's that? And you have done what you ought not to have done. I mean, I'm not surprised. All right. So you have done what you ought not to have done, which is you... Delayed the recording of the podcast this week from Monday to Wednesday. Yeah. Normally it's my fault. This week it's your fault. And so I want an explanation, Mr. Witheridge. And you have not done what you ought to have done. Where are the reels? Well, I've been looking at the Instagram feed. I've been going, you know what? It's been ages since we've had reels. Mr. Witheridge, I'm here to take you to task. Okay, look, on the reels front, we've got holidays coming up. (laughs) And three months of... Let's face it, not a whole lot going on. <laughs> so uh, that will be a pocket of time. Besides, you know, the, the kind of arduous study that I'll be doing in, in anticipation uh, yes. for third year, which obviously will take up a lot of time. That's right. There'll be no Call of Duty time, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, barely any. Maybe five minutes a night. Right? <laughs> not five hours. <laughs> right? But um, maybe then I'll do some reels. You know what the real issue is? Yes. What is the yeah, real issue? The real issue. Yeah, yeah I think move on. Yes. Um, I think I kind of got all my good material out <laughs> in the first like week of like coming up with real ideas. Yes. Um, so look, uh, 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 you know, I've got some ones cooking. Yes. Um, but yes, more reels coming. I will do it. I will do it. Great. Um, so that's you not doing what you ought to have done. Yes. And also promising what I might not do. <laughs> because I, I, I do want to do it. I yes. do want to do it. But who knows? Um, we'll see. But I'll, I'll, I'll try and do it. Now, on the Monday issue, yes. um, there is a, an explanation about why I, why I didn't want to record on Monday. Mm-hmm. That is, um, I, I probably don't want to share. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a reason, and then maybe uh, an excuse that I can come with that I can share. So an excuse might be, um, I was, you know, uh, wanting to prepare my mind just for a few extra days before this episode. Ah, I see, I see. Because yeah. your spot today yes. is uh, something that you've spent 500 hours working it's on. It's very well thought out. The spot today is going to be, what does the Bible, particularly the New Testament actually, is, what, what does the New Testament say about milk? Okay. Now, are you a milk fan? Um, I am, although I should be drinking soy milk because milk exacerbates my eczema. Are you lactose intolerant? I'm not. Well, I might be now because I haven't had a huge amount of milk. Are you allergic to dairy? I'm allergic to dairy, but that's not the same thing as lactose intolerant. Now, what is eczema? What is eczema? Just before we move on, I want to say I was joking, but I thought it got a good now, laugh out of I it. I mean, the... the um. I've, no. co- I've coined a phrase that's been going around more west a little bit. Okay? Sure. Now, more west, we live off campus, and it's, it is, let's face it, you live in Carlingford. I live in Carlingford. I live in Parramatta. Yes. More colleges in Newtown. Yes. Most of the people that go to college live in Newtown. Yes. Most people find it pretty easy to roll out of bed and get to class. Is that true? Most people going to college live in Newtown? I made, I'm not sure about that. Okay, that's, sure. That's a hunch I Move have. Move on. That's yes. a hunch. Um, 
you know, it's harder for us. And so from time to time, in order to kind of get an assignment done out of the way, I like to take what I call a TDO. A TDO. TDO, which stands for a tactical day off. <laughs> you know, so you have like a, a day where it's like, okay, my lecture load is a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all over this subject. I don't, you know. Now, I hope no lecturers listen to this episode. I hope <laughs> and I pray that no lecturers listen to this episode. I didn't know you'd actually give the right, the, the correct answer. I was just joking about being well, upset at and you. Well, I'm just joking about the TDO. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah no right. one actually takes TDOs. That would be irresponsible. That's right. And not right. So, I, uh, I you know. Um, <laughs> now, now, we were talking about... Sorry, eczema. We were talking about eczema. Eczema. Now, am I right in saying that it is a... Um, it is like a uh, an intolerance to certain kinds of yogurt <laughs> it's actually intolerance to eggs really that's where the eggs eczema. and eggs eczema eczema yeah yeah and, and mothers as well so oh, intolerance eczema. to eggs and mothers no, so. but what what because i'm i'm okay this might surprise some people but i'm no doctor really yeah. oh okay. i don't know okay. really what eczema is yeah but it's a well, skin thing Okay. I have eczema. I'm not an expert on eczema. It is an immuno response where your immune system attacks um, the uh, the body, especially your skin, mm. uh, because of something that it doesn't like. Mm. It's, you've got an allergic reaction to something. Yeah. So for some people, it might be peanuts. For some people, it might be uh, dairy. Mm. For me, it is dairy, egg, and crab. Those three foods, right. when I eat them, my body starts making my skin itchy. Yeah. There are some places around my body where it gets particularly itchy, um, particularly around clusters of lymph node areas. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't need to <laughs> go into the details. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but um, but uh, yes, it yes. can also come up anywhere else, really. Yeah. So I am allergic, although I still eat egg, dairy, and crab. Um, you roll the dice. I roll the dice, but I, I shouldn't eat too much of it. Yeah. So to answer your question, I'm not, sp- I'm not lactose intolerant, you tolerate um, it. I, I, well, yes, but lactose intolerance is more about your, um, your digestive system. Right. About whether or not you can, uh, you know, break down that lactose. And if not, then you might get some explosive diarrhea. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Some, uh, you know, intermittent gastro. Um, no, look. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That is disgusting. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, listeners, that you had to listen to that, um, that imagery. Yes. All right. That's it. Um, and the only thing that could fix it in a real sense, is the goodness of God's spiritual milk and solid food. Ah, which is really more what we're going to be talking about. Right, right. Because we are the Bible We are the Bible So, um, But just think about it. Imagine you're an Israelite wandering the wilderness and someone says to you, you know, we're about to enter a land of milk and honey. Mm. Imagine if you're... Allergic. Lactose intolerant. Yes. Glucose. Honey's got glucose in it. Yes, yes. Imagine. Yes. You'd be freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, people can get allergic to honey. There's a honey allergies, yes. Um, but yes, no, that's right, milk and honey. Uh, so today we'll be talking about milk more in the spiritual sense. Um, before we get into that, you're also going to be sharing about Jesus from Jeremiah. Yes. What does Jeremiah say about Jesus? We'll get to that in we'll my, to in that. my segment. That's right. But and Because that's what we do. We talk about the Bible. Um, but very quickly, what have you been doing at college? What's something you've been learning? Well, just today, we had doctrine mm. for a couple of hours. Mm. And we were talking about Christology, mm-hmm. talking about... Who Jesus is who, and what he's done. Who yeah. Jesus is, what he's done. We're talking about Jesus uh, 
divinity. Mm-hmm. And the lecturer posed a very interesting question. He, he said, if someone came up to you and they asked you, how is it possible that God can become a human being? Well, what's the deal? You know, <laughs> what's the deal? Like... Yeah, that's it. And, and so we kind of turned in pairs when we were talking about that and like people were sharing different different responses. Um, and, you know, there is a sense in which like we can we can kind of explain it and say, okay, here's an answer, here's an answer, you know, uh, God can become a human because God, God can do anything and, and God wants to communicate to people by becoming like people and that's how he kind of um, enters into our realm and meets with us, that kind of thing. But it's still, like, this question's still there. Like, how can God become human? And one of the verses that we looked at, which would be good to turn to now, was 1 Timothy 3.16, um, which has a very interesting uh, take on the question. Mm. Um, so, Do you want me to read it? Yeah, go for it. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Yeah, yeah. So that's quite interesting that he says, like, um, there's this great mystery of godliness. And normally when we say godliness, we think like, um, like piety or like religious activity, godliness, being like mm. trying to trying to live in a way that's like God. So it's interesting that he says this is the mystery of godliness, and then he talks about Jesus, mm. just like stating facts about Jesus, like he was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. But the point here is that um, here. Jesus being like, um, like he was man, sorry, he was manifested in the flesh. Um, is the myst- is a mystery. There's mm. something mysterious about it. And so, as Christians, if if someone you know, if you're trying to explain how God can become human in the person of Jesus, I think like part of what the Bible says is actually hold hold on, whoa whoa, <laughs> we should be amazed at it. We mm. should kind of say this is mysterious. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Um, there's a lot more we can say about it, but like for starters, let's just like not try to explain it away, but let's just like hold mm. the phone and say it, it is amazing and mysterious. Yeah. So that's about, I love that. about what we've been learning about today. Uh, we, yeah, we'll talk about some of the historical debate around Christology. Mm. Yes. Um, yes. In a nutshell, that's what we're doing. That's what really cool. You? What have you been doing? Uh, today we were looking at, in church history, we were thinking about the, the formation of the canon, how the 27 books of the New Testament were collected together or recognized as the rule or the rod or the the measure of of the christian faith and one of the other things we were looking at was the different ways in which you can approach biblical interpretation broadly speaking we were looking at two schools of thought one known as the alexandrian school of thought the other known as the antiochian school of thought and what is the difference because they are both Names that start with A. Yeah. Right? So, Antioch. Yes. It's a place. Yes. Alexander. Alexandria. Alexandria. Yes. Another place. Another place. That's right. So, two different places, two different schools of thought. That's right. That's right. On how to interpret the Bible. The Bible. That's right. And, you know, it's quite, it's a very broad brush stroke because it's not as if all of the people who adopted the Alexandrian way of thinking were from Alexandria. Um, But in any case, the, the two ways we're thinking about it, 
the Alexandrian way is what we might call allegorical interpretation. Basically, um, reading that seeks to understand a one-to-one correlation between what you're seeing in the text with something else, right. uh, which might be seen as a bit of a departure from the other way, the Antiochene, known mm. as the uh, school method, known as the grammatical his, um, historical method. Uh, essentially trying to understand through a construction of historical context, literary analysis, what was intended in its original context. Mm, mm. Um, that's a very technical definition. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I think is just, uh, I think I'd want to throw out there for our listeners and something that we have thought about is, um, are our ways of reading the Bible, would we, would we say that the kinds of things the New Testament does with the Old Testament are wrong. Mm, so mm. in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, when Paul references the rock from Exodus being struck and water coming out from it, he says, and the rock was Jesus. Mm. Yeah, so the historical grammatical side of me, which is, to be honest, like 99% of me. I would say 99.9% yeah, of you. Yeah, that's very much me. I would look at that and say, Paul, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah that's Paul, right. Paul, uh, <laughs> you, you, you're making connections that are pretty, you know, what are you doing? What yeah, you that's doing? right, that's right. Yeah. Um, whereas an allegorical reading or interpretation would say, yeah, that's totally fine. Mm. Another example is you think about Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 9 or 1 Timothy 5, I believe it is, when he quotes from Deuteronomy, uh, do not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. Mm. Applying to but he's applying it to teachers, right? That's right. Yeah. So in 1, 1 Corinthians 9 and 1 Timothy 5, uh, in the context of how, yeah, you, the teachers of God's word mm. do have a right uh, to provision. Mm. And the, the grammatical historical side of me is like, you're doing it. This is like Daniel Diet 2.0. <laughs> this, is, this is like, you know, Joel Osteen saying don't eat shellfish yes, or something. Yes, sure. You know, it's like, Paul, come on. Let's 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 just like <laughs> let's calm the farm. That's yeah. right, and and I think that um, this is what we can uh, train people to do with good reason, because we don't want people to be coming up with all these loose interpretations that are not grounded in the Bible, and you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. Mm. But it is worth asking the question, as this these Alexandrian and Antiochian schools did back in the fourth century. Yeah, um, you know. Is it really an either or? Mm. or? Or should we actually think about the legitimacy of both methods? Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's more that you could say about that. But just from a church history perspective, it was interesting to see, oh, they were having these discussions, you know, 1,600 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just like a fascinating... Because like, you know, you can take... A mile with that kind of stuff and just got like you know fall into the oh if paul if paul makes kind of weird connections that like i don't necessarily see on face value then oh i'm just gonna go for it mm. um but yeah it's 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 interesting yeah I think my favorite sure. example is the um the two covenants in galatians yeah galatians chapter four sarah Wait, and hagar yeah, two yeah. mountains yeah. two covenants and though it's interesting there even there you know paul says i'm using this as a as an, an illustration, mm. he says what he's doing yeah, with it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's cool. cool. Um, more to think on. Mm. More to chew on. Mm. Bible's so good, isn't it? It is so good. It is so good. Canonicity is another very interesting... I mean, I'm, I'm a... Oh, sorry, I'm a leaning away from that. I'm a little... 
Am I am I right in remembering? Like, if I want to explain canonicity in like thirty seconds, this is my thirty second kind of thing that they, you know, the texts that were recognised New Testament wise, there were like three criteria. Does this ring a bell? Three criteria. One was um, orthodoxy in terms of like, um, you know, did it kind of if 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 it didn't kind of like it had to not um, kind of contradict previous previously accepted things like ubiquitous so it had to be like widely used and circulated it couldn't just be like confined to one church as used and there's another thing apostolic association so the person who wrote it had to have been either an apostle or a close associate mm-hmm. of an apostle mm-hmm. i think they were the three criteria for yeah yeah well depending on who you ask there's different numbers so today in class we looked at five criteria okay. those three were there another one was christocentrism so it had to be about jesus right and, um, oh, I forgot how the last one was worded, but I believe it was to do with coherency, coherency with the other texts yeah. as well. Yeah. I might be wrong about that last one there, but yes, those three that you said are definitely there. Yeah, okay. Um, That's an interesting, I haven't heard that one about Christocentric. Yeah, I hadn't heard that one before yeah. today as well. Because it's like, we say, oh, the whole Bible points to Jesus. Mm. Which it must do mm. if Christocentric is like a criteria. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Interesting. Yeah. And I think at the core of it, it is recognizing that God has worked through people. Um, his sovereign plan has been enacted through human agents. And the, what, the, the gospel message that saves God's people gathers God's people, forms God's people, has been inscripturated and was collected as people recognized, yeah, we need to have a way of saying, this is what we're using, this is what has formed us, this is what has shaped us. Mm. We, we receive the canon rather than inventing the canon. Mm. I think that's another thing you can say as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Inscripturated. Yes. I like it. You like it? I like the word. Yes. Inscription. Is it E-N or I-N? I-N. Inscripturated. Yeah, this comes from... um, I forgot who actually said this first. I don't think it was the theologian who I was reading. Mm. Um, I think it might have been Martin Luther, but I I don't know enough about Martin Luther. But he said that there are three kinds of special revelation that we've received. We've received um, special revelation um, incarnated. Yes. Jesus Christ. Um, we've received um, special revelation uh, proclaimed, right, so, like gospel. through the gospel preaching and yeah. whatnot, and then we've received special revelation inscripturated. Inscripturated. Yeah, so scripture. I like it. Yeah. That's good. I think there was an I-N word for proclaimed, but I forgot what it was. What? Inculcated. <laughs> Is that right? Inculcated. In. Bibed. <laughs> All right. Look, we are 19 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. It's time for us to get to what the New Testament has to say about milk. All right. So let me ask you a question, listeners. Do you like milk? I like milk. Uh, I used to drink a lot of milk. Don't drink so much milk anymore. <laughs> I've changed how much milk I put in my coffee. All right. Now, I used to have a lot and I went down to a little and then I went back to a lot. Okay. Preferences for milk change. Now, that's just a little prelude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, just on that. Have you have you actually gone ahead and changed your perfect instant coffee formula? Yeah, I mean, there was... So, like, if I, I start the day off with a bit of a milky coffee, 
And then later on in the day, if I don't want as much milk, I'll, I'll tone it down. Oh. You know? Okay. All right. Now, let's get back to the bottle. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that was interesting. Bit. Um, okay. So, in terms of milk in the New Testament, let's see what it says. All right. So, um, the word milk. Do you know what the word milk in Greek is? I don't. Let me just type in. Okay. Guess how many times the word milk occurs in the New Testament? 27 times. No. Five times. Five times. Five times. It's okay. a rare word. Rare. Yes. And it's gala, 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 gala. Okay. From which we get galac galaxy. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So milk, Milky Way, oh! galaxy. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Galaxy. Um, another gallon, I think someone said, oh. but that could be wrong. Okay. Sure. Because I was told that. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's let's read. Actually, I'm going to get you to read this. Sure. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. And as James reads, have a, have a think to yourself. What is this saying about milk? And what is Paul's main point in this section? All right, let's do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Nice. Or Jesus Christ. Nice, nice, nice. So here, if you kind of zoned out for that, which 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 can happen, let me let me clue you in on, on what this passage um is is saying. So Paul so Paul's writing to people in Corinth, one Corinthians. Paul's writing to people who have divided over leadership in the church. And so he's saying, I wish, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you as spiritual people, um, but I couldn't. I couldn't address you as spiritual people. I had to talk to you as spiritual, uh, as people of the flesh, as infants or children in Christ. Um, I, I had to feed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for solid food. So um, he's saying... Because there's division happening around, you know, whether they follow Paul or Apollos and they're basing this off like human wisdom, who's the best speaker, who's got the the, be the better vibe or all that sort of thing. He's saying this is not the way to think about leadership in the church. Um, you know, you've, you've got this wrong. This is fairly childish of you actually to think in this way. And so I can't um, uh, feed you with meat. But what, what is, so what is the milk there? I fed you with milk. Mm. Um, at the end, he says, like, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Um, earlier, he says, um, uh, you know, he, he preaches 
um, Christ crucified. Um, Early in chapter 1, he kind of refers to the gospel message as the message of the cross, being foolishness um, to those who are perishing, but wisdom and power to those who are being saved. Um, And so here, Paul, the, the milk analogy is the gospel message, the, the mess, specifically the message of the cross, Jesus Christ. So we don't get all the details filled in. Mm. But in Paul's mind, this is the milk that they've been given. He wants to keep addressing them more as spiritual people and go into some of the some more um, kind of meat. Um, but he's kind of saying, the foundation's been laid, and I don't think yet you're ready for anything else mm. because you've got these basic gospel issues mm. like dividing over human leadership in the mm, church mm. Right. that makes a lot of sense that makes me think of and i think you might go to this later i don't know but the reference in hebrews to you need milk not spiritual food because i oh, sorry, solid food yep. because you are being immature yeah, you know, yeah. hebrews five or six yeah but yeah. sorry yeah no, that's right and we will get there we will get sure, there for sure. yes um so here milk is like it's a good thing but it's not like, I mean, Paul's like, uh, you know, wish we could go beyond milk to solid food. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, that's what one thing that the uh, New Testament says about milk. Um, can I get you to read 1 Peter? Mm-hmm. So we've heard from Paul. Now let's hear from Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses, verse 17, mm-hmm. all, um, through to chapter 2, verse 3. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 1 from verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things that are such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply, from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Nice. So here, milk is a good is a good thing. And he's saying, um, crave it, long for the pure spiritual milk. Why? Because that by it, you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. Sorry, so, just on that, you said into, is it in your salvation? Because, oh, unless we're looking at a different translation. I think we're looking at a different translation. Interesting. That, because that, that sounds different, isn't it? Grow in your salvation and grow into salvation yes. is a different meaning, isn't yes. it? Yes. Well, is it? Well, so, what, what, what do you mean? So, okay, so if you grow in your salvation, you've yeah. already got it. Yeah, and you are just maturing more in the midst of it. Yeah. Whereas if you grow into salvation, it could sound like you're growing so that you are getting to this goal of salvation. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure what's going on there, but I'm sorry, I'm sidetracking. No, from your no, no. Point. It's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Um. Yes. Yes. Salvation's. In, we should. We we should do a week on salvation. Yes. I think you know salvation. 
often in the New Testament is an end times thing. And it, it, like, I feel like most often salvation is used as a um, surviving God's judgment in the end times. On, you know, yeah, the well, there's, there's past, present, future, right, to salvation. Yeah. We're doing the spot now. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Well, I, feel like, I feel like it's got <laughs> yes. a, like, a fut- more of a future vibe. Anyway, 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 the point is, Peter's saying, long for the pure spiritual milk. What is the milk? Well, it's interesting, like, just before, he's given this great summary of the gospel. Um, so, in verse 17, he addressed them and he said, um, uh, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile in, in the world. Um, you were ransomed from the f- um, futile ways of your forefathers. Um, and then he go. you were ransomed from your futile ways with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. He was fore- And then he goes into this kind of gospel bit. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Right? Bit of a gospel summary. Mm, yeah, it's right? beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so I take it that... Um, this is like this is like the spiritual milk that he's saying grow grow up in this milk. Mm. This is the milk that you feed on to strengthen yourself to grow in um, your salvation. Yeah. Um, and Peter has um, I think it's two Peter one where it talks about like adding to your faith mm. knowledge and, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of we have everything we need for mm-hmm. salvation mm. for. The Christian life, yes, as well, um, and so okay, so that's what one Peter, that's what Peter says about milk, good thing, crave it, and again, it's like um, painted as the gospel. Mm-hmm. Now, the last one we'll look at is Hebrews, and this is a, I've left this to last mm. because it is kind of weird. Mm. I think there are bits of this that are a bit weird, right? Hebrews. So, can you read? Um, let me just have a look. Actually, um, Hebrews chapter five. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to read? Okay, read from verse seven, sure, through to six, verse three. Okay. It's actually not as long as it sounds. So, but yeah, Hebrews chapter five, verse seven to six, three. Sure. Hebrews chapter five, from verse seven. During the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and, once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you, because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk while still, uh, excuse me, being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Right. So, you know, so here, again, um, we get this milk language, 
Although here, it's um, more of a negative bent where the author is saying, actually, I, I really want to move on to the meat, but it's frustrating that because you've grown dull of hearing that we can't move on. It's interesting what he, what he proceeds us with. So he's talking about um, Jesus and he's describing Jesus and he's talking about how, um, you know, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Um, being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. It sounds gospel-y. Sounds gospel Verse 10, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. At which point, a lot of people, myself included, are like, hmm, what is, what's, what's the dealio there? Have we gone off track a bit? Like, what's, what's going on? And it's as if, you know, you can imagine the author kind of getting to that bit and being, and maybe sighing at that point and being like, <sighs> you know, okay, we've got a lot to talk about. Right? Yeah. We've got a lot to say about this stuff and it, it's it's hard to explain. That I find that such an interesting line. We we've got a lot to say about this, but it's actually hard to explain mm. because you've become dull of hearing. Mm. It, it's hard to explain the complexities of what we're trying to explain because you're not keen to listen. Mm. Right? But also is it that sorry, I cut you off no, just no, then, no, but no. is it that not only are they um not keen to listen, but they're also not grounded in the foundations yeah 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 could like yeah it could be but i mean yeah he says like you've become what, what, what do you think it means you've become dull of hearing well yeah i mean they're, they're so shaky even on basic stuff yeah like staying rooted and grounded in jesus they become dull of hearing they go oh yeah cool sure whatever Maybe they, they don't want to listen to it anymore or they become hardened to it. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. Like, verse verse 12 kind of goes there. It's like, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Mm. So saying, like, after all this time of me being involved, you kind of getting the input, mm. you should be teachers by now. Mm. So it's a pretty strong, you know, indictment against them. Verse 13 is interesting as well. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness mm. since he's a child. So everyone who lives on the milk, if, all, if your whole life is kind of you know, um, generated by the milk, you're, you'll be unskilled in the word of righteousness. Mm. Now, what is when he says like the word of righteousness, what is he talking about? Um, that's a good question. That's, like, ver- maybe verse 14 clues us in. Solid food is for the mature. So let's say, let's say the word of righteousness might be like the, the solid food, the mature food. Mm. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Mm. Um, so it sounds like the word of righteousness is more to do with the um, the actual kind of practice of godliness mm. how to live as a christian yeah yeah, yeah some yeah. of the finer details there that's more of the meat stuff that he's talking about um verse i mean chapter 6 verse 1 the start of it is something that I've, you know you'd never say right <laughs> but the author says therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of christ 
It's like, whoa, 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 hold on. Yes. Leave, leave the doctrine of Christ. Like, that's the good stuff, right? That's mm. the milk that we, Peter says we want to, like, mm. drink that and grow in our salvation. I think here he's saying, like, let's, let, let's leave it so that we can go on. Let's not forget about it, mm. but let's, let's be able to move on. Let's go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of now. Is, uh, not laying a foundation of blah, blah, blah. What, what, you know, when you think of the foundations of Christianity, you know, mm. if you've ever done like a foundational Bible study course or something like that, we did this um, recently at youth group. We did um, Just for Starters, mm. right? And it's got bits on, um, you know, sa- saved by God, trusting in God, meeting with God's people, meeting the world, evangelism, um, uh, prayer, Bible reading, and they're like, you know, if I say, what's the basics of Christianity? They're mm. pretty standard. I feel like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's the list that the author of the Hebrews gives? The foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Mm. You know, it's really funny that you bring this up today because mm. I was just looking at this verse yesterday afternoon mm. at this time as really? well, actually. Oh my goodness. Because we're in the library and a friend of mine is helping to run a confirmation course yep. at his church. Yeah. And so I was thinking about what are some things that I would say are essentials that yeah. you want to get clear with people. And I actually came to this verse because I've, I've had a bit of a history with this verse and this section of Hebrews as well, okay. which I'm not going to go all into time you know. give, us, give us a little taste. Like, well, what's your history with sure. Guys? I mean, part of my history with church is that I grew up in a church environment where there was very much an emphasis on, well, yeah, we don't talk about Jesus and the cross because that's just the basics. Once you become a Christian, you don't need to talk about that stuff anymore. So we move on. And so this was a key passage that was right. brought in to talk about that. That right. you know, these are, but they didn't have an explanation for what chapter six verse. Does one to two mean? So I had always found this quite confusing. And then when I became more, shall we say, biblical, <laughs> reformed evangelical, now just, yeah, biblical, let's say, um, I looked at these two verses with a bit of, huh, like a, a big question mark going, these don't sound like basics. There's nothing about, you know, Jesus's propitiating penal substitutionary death on the cross resurrection isn't even here resurrection of the dead what's that referring Mm, to there mm. i wasn't clear on that but i've come around and gone you know what i do think these are the basics of christianity Mm. properly understood yeah i mean you think about what repentance from dead works and a faith towards god that's how you become a christian yep repent and believe God. Repent and believe the gospel. That's how you become a Christian, isn't it? That's so foundational. Instruction about washings is... Baptism, right? Baptism, that's right. And you have to remember, there's probably a Jewish audience who's um, receiving this book of Hebrews. So they would have had all this stuff about washings, ceremonial washings, and they needed to be told, no, 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 the washing that really matters is washing by the Holy Spirit, and the external manifestation of that is water baptism mm. this is the washings that matters right, right. so what is baptism is yeah. pretty important yeah and then laying on of hands this is the idea of praying for one another in particular you could talk about praying in terms of um uh, for one another's hurts and needs but also commissioning people to be your leaders and then you've got resurrection of the dead the fact that we have this future hope 
one day Jesus will return and we will be raised to eternal life. Some will be raised to eternal judgment. Mm. And that's the last part there, eternal judgment. Mm. I feel like these are some pretty basics of Christianity yeah. foundation. So I've come around now to go, yeah, I'm, I think the author of Hebrews is pretty spot on on what the elementary doctrines yeah. are. I must admit, personally, yes, I like this list. I think you're right. I think there's stuff here that is basic that's sometimes left out of introductory Bible study courses. Not going to name names of any just of Just for courses. starters. Not going to name just for starters. <laughs> but there wasn't a whole lot about the resurre- resurrection of the dead. Mm. Wasn't really stuff about baptism, mm. right? Which is like a kind of step one, really, if you're like entering Christian community to be baptized. Yes. Um, there was stuff about repentance and faith. Excellent. There was stuff about... Judgment, not a whole lot, but there was there was stuff there. Eternal judgment. Yeah. Um, In fairness to just for starters, which well, let's face it, we're not we're not. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying anything. It's assuming that you're already a Christian and you've heard a lot of these foundational things, oh, right. and it's trying to get you started in the practices of the Christian life, as well. So it's kind of halfway between milk and meat. I would say it is milk plus. It's Nesquik. Or Nest, or, or a Milo. Just for starters, is Milo. Yes, it's it's not. It, you need to have it with the milk. Yes, but it is not the milk itself. It it, it enhances parts of the milk and draws it out. It's not meat, but it's got meat-like qualities. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what Milo you're having. It's, it's, you know, it can be a bit chunky. Yeah, that's you know? okay. Sorry, please oh, make yeah. your point. That was an aside, but yeah. The the one thing that I'm not totally uh, sure about in this list of basics is the laying on of hands. Yes. What's the deal? Laying on, well, laying on of hands is praying. It's praying for one another. Is it? It's praying for one another, and also it's what would happen if you were commissioned. So, for example, um, Paul says to Timothy in, uh, what was it, 1 Timothy 4, I believe? Mm. Um, do, not, do not neglect the gift that was given to you through the laying on of hands. Here's, here's a question for you and for our listeners. Yes. Have you ever heard a sermon in the last, let's say, year yeah. where laying on of hands has been explained. No. Two years, last two years, no. last five years. No. Ever. No. Oh, sorry, yes, but not in the church that I was right. at the last 11 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. But, funnily enough, while I was at uni, there was a friend of mine who was a EU staff worker who said, you know, one of the big ways that people used to pray was, you know, if, you, if, if, you, if I said, hey, Pip, can I pray for you? Yeah. They put a hand on your shoulder. Yeah. And this is the idea of praying for one another. Laying on of hands is synonymous with praying, mm. but it was also done in commissioning people to lead yeah. in God's church. So that's what I think it's referring to. I'm not going to lie. Not a big fan of the hand. Okay. Listeners, I'm going to put a hand on Pip's oh, shoulder right awkward. now. awkward. Okay. No, but now they know. Okay. Just do it. Pip, I want to see, pr- see what it feels like. Can I pray like. for you, Pip? Yeah. There you go. Okay. There you go. How's that? That's that's all right. Yeah. I'm a light touch. Yeah, that's right. It's not like a... Uh, but don't you, like, sometimes when you put your hand, you want a solid, because if you just do it light, people flinch. They go, whoa, what's that? <laughs> you know? Maybe this is the teaching on the laying on of hands. Yes. How solid a grasp. Well, you know, you think about it. Um, I remember when Gary was, um, oh, what's the word? Con- not consecrated. Uh, commence in his commencement service yep. when he became senior minister yep. at uh, St. Paul's. I remember, you know, he knelt and then all these people put their hands on his shoulders and his head. Yep. I thought it was the weirdest thing because I was yep. like, what is this? But yep. it's very normal. That's a side of Anglicanism <laughs> that I think a lot of people who they see those photos on Facebook of like a commissioning service and they're like, 
What is the deal with that? <laughs> that's like a kind of a side, that's like, you know, a clergy side of things that you don't really want to ask too many questions about. In any case, Milk <laughs> that's how I feel. Foundation, praying for one another yes. is pretty foundational. Yes. So, um, it is interesting. There's a lot to chew on here in the Hebrews. What exactly is the, uh, what is it? The word of righteousness. Mm. That's something interesting that you could dig into more. Like, what's the meat that he wants to get into? Is it more Melchizedek stuff? Or is it is it something else? Mm. Why did he stop at Melchizedek? Did he write Melchizedek and he was like, okay, they're not going to get this. Let me, let me, little, <laughs> little excursies on, on why they're dull yes. of hearing. Um, these are questions that keep me up during the day. <laughs> not so much at night. I get good sleep. But Are you going to give us what you think or is, are you just leaving it as an open question? I'm going to say I don't know off the top of my head, but if I had to kind of, you know, wager a guess, it would be something to do with verse 14, something to do uh, about practicing distinguishing, distinguishing between good and evil. Mm. Some of the finer points on how to live as a Christian. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about where Hebrews goes, this is me thinking on the spot now. Yeah. My sense is that it's this idea of perseverance. Okay. Um, the reason I'm thinking about that is um, somewhere, I think it's in chapter 10 or chapter 12, this idea of um, a harvest of righteousness being produced. And it comes in the context of persevering in the midst of trial, persevering in the midst of suffering. I feel like in Hebrews, um, what the author or the writer of the preacher of Hebrews uh, which is an epistolatory sermon. It is an epistle. So <laughs> 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 in joke for people yeah. from a few weeks ago. Um, what he's trying to say is, I want to call you to persevere and to remain with Christ, but I feel like I can't even encourage you to do that because you've, you're hard-hearted towards even the basics mm. of what it means to follow Christ, mm. um, or you've become dull of hearing. Mm. So in other words, it's almost like he's saying, how can I call you to persevere mm. if you're not even grounded? in the first place you can only persevere in something that you're already grounded in yeah um so i feel like that's what he's trying to get at yeah um he wants to move on in this case the solid food is this calling to to persevere in christ through suffering through hardship Mm. another thing worth saying is it's possible that milk here is not being used exactly the same way as peter and paul use it Mm. that's always there in the background but for the sake of this discussion we've taken it as we're trying to see how it all fits together. Mm. But sorry, just with that first thing I said in terms of what milk, uh, sorry, what the heart, what the righteousness could be. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say maybe like, you know, there's debate around who wrote Hebrews. Yes. Maybe you could say if, if there's similarity between the way Paul uses milk mm-hmm. as an analogy mm-hmm. and the way Hebrews uses it, Maybe that's just an argument for Paul's authorship of it. Because mm. he use, I mean, Hebrews is down on milk. <laughs> you know? Down in the sense of, yeah, let, pro let's, milk. Let's, yeah, but once more than that. Yeah. I was, are you saying down as in actually boo? I was milk. saying, like, in, in a, like, yeah, no, yeah, down, but in the sense of, like, let's move on from milk. Yeah, sure. Paul's similar. Yes. Peter's not. Yes. Peter's I saying, see what you're crave saying. it. Yes. Paul's saying, let's move on. Yes. Hebrews saying, let's move on. Yeah, interesting. You could argue maybe Paul's the one that's saying, let's move on. Fair enough. Anyway, milk so, only comes up five times. 
time. So it's hard to kind of get that. So give us an allegorical interpretation now in the sense of what does this mean about our drinking of milk today? Alexandrian hat on. Okay. All right. Antioch aside. We should do this every week. But yeah. We have an Alexandrian hat and Antiochian hat. Listeners, if any of you want to create or send us an Alexandrian hat and an Antiochian hat, we will give you a shout out on the podcast, a post on Instagram, and maybe even make you a guest mm. on the pod. Mm. But sorry, put your Alexandrian hat on. Uh, okay. Why is milk used? Why do we drink it today? Why did God design it in such the way that he did? Well, you could argue that milk comes from a cow. (laughs) And, but where does meat come from? A cow as well. Also a cow. And so what the authors are saying is that you need both milk and meat to be the spiritual sacrifices. The cow. The sacrifice of the cow. That you ought to be. Now, think about the cow. What percentage of the cow is milk? And what percentage of the cow is meat? There's not a whole lot of milk. (laughs) Okay, cut, stop, stop. It's mainly meat. It was great before we got to this point. (laughs) What I'm saying is if you want to be the spiritual sacrifice, cow sacrifice, you've got to be meated up. (laughs) A bit of milk is good. And actually, when you think about it, a cow offers its, offers its milk voluntarily, mm. but meat, you've got to cut it from it. Okay, we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on. If I can attempt a synthesis of what you've shown us. Yes. Milk is foundational. Milk is how you keep growing. There is more to talk about than the milk. It doesn't mean you leave the milk, but it does mean that there is actually a lot to explore in the depths Um of God's word and God's truth, um, but don't depart from the foundation, mm. which is truth about Jesus, uh, what it means to be his son or daughter. Um, but yeah, maybe even a hint thereof, um, you actually have to persevere in it, mm. stick with it. Yeah. And if you're someone who you think, yep, I've got the milk, but I'm not sure about this meat stuff, might I suggest some Milo? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Very good. Very good, very and good. James, do you want to quickly share about <laughs> Jeremiah and what the prophet Jeremiah has to say about Jesus? Yes, yeah, so well, I, I, uh, um, I'm still reading Jeremiah. I'm, I think I'm, you know, I'll finish Jeremiah early next week. Um, you know what I realized the other day? What did you realize the other day? You know Malachi. Yes. Have I told you this? Mal- Malachi, the word in Hebrew. Yes, what? is ma- Malach, which is a messenger, messenger or angel. His messenger. Yes. But we take it as a proper name. Yes. But it could just be, um, his messenger said this. Yes. Malachi said this, his messenger. That's right. Yeah. What's the deal with that? <laughs> is there an Al- Jeremiah? What does Jeremiah mean? I don't know what Jeremiah Hebrew? means. Do you know what it means? No. <laughs> <laughs> it actually, no, it does. And it, 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 it is really weird that you're talking about Jeremiah. Why? It, it actually means milkmaid. Really? Milk and No, milk. you're kidding. <laughs> you're joking. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> All right. Um... I will abbreviate what I wanted to share from Jeremiah. I, you know so what? I've I wanted... hogged it today. No, I? no, no. This has been good. We've we've had a back means, and forth it means discussion. Yahweh will raise. God is high. Jeremiah. Yahweh will raise. Um, okay, cool. God is high. Yep, great. Just Excellent. letting you know. Thank you. All right. So I wanted to share a bit from my reading in Jeremiah, um, and I wanted to sneakily call this. Um, uh, 
Jeremiah on Jesus. In other words, what Jeremiah has to say about Jesus. Mm. Uh, the answer is quite a lot, mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> believe yeah. it or not. Um, but I'm just going to focus on one thread, and we'll look at three different uh, chapters, and just a, a few sections from them. So start with me from Jeremiah chapter 30. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 30, can you read verses... Um, Can you read verses 8 to 9? Okay, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off your neck, and I will burst your bonds, and foreigners shall no more make a servant of him. But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Mm, Okay, so there's this tremendous promise we're getting here from Jeremiah chapters 30 to... 33, I mean, you can keep going on. There's more wonderful helps in Jeremiah. But uh, here in these two verses, there's this great promise that their exile will end, their captivity will end, the people of Israel will serve the Lord their God and David their king. Now, uh, in this context, David their king uh, could also be seen as someone in the line of David. And so uh, a descendant of David in some way, shape or form, whom I will raise up for them. God is going to raise up this descendant of David to be a king. And this isn't the first time that this has come up. It's actually come up a a couple of times before chapter 30. So one of these places is chapter 23. So come with me to Jeremiah chapter 23. Can you please have a read of verses 5 to 8? Okay. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, then they shall dwell in their own land. Mm. Yeah, so this is an amazing promise that comes up seven chapters before what we just read in chapter 30. Just take a look at what is described of what God is going to do. Verse 5, he's going to raise up for David, a righteous branch. There's a similar language from what we see in, say, Isaiah chapter, I think it's chapter 11, I believe. Um, A king who will reign wisely. So not only is this king going to be righteous, this king will be wise and will do what is just and right in the land. Once again, justice, righteousness. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. So there's protection because of this king. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Now, this is a bit of a play on words in the sense, well, maybe that's not the right use of the term, but there's a king around this time named uh, Zedekiah. Um, Sorry, I'm reading from NIV. You're reading ESV. Is Mm. that right? Mm. This line at the end of of verse 6, you know, the name by which he'll be called, NIV says, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Um, Around this time, there's a king named Zedekiah, um, whose name I think roughly translates to, you know, the Lord, our righteousness, or the Mm. Lord who is righteous. Um, uh, So on one level, the people of Jeremiah's time, or what Jeremiah could have been referencing in the immediacy is Zedekiah, but this isn't a king who's going, 
going to fulfill all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in verses 7 to 8, we see a reference to the Exodus. In fact, um, uh, there's a reference to the redemption that occurs. You know, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, they will say, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the descendants of Israel up out of the land of the north, and out of the countries where he had banished them. Which I've got to say, it's more of a mouthful than the first one. Yeah, that's it, that's it. So there's these amazing colors and contours to this future descendant of David. He is wise, he is righteous, he brings safety, and he uh, is going to be associated with redemption. And as I was reading Jeremiah, I was going, wait a second, where do we see some of those concepts coming together in the New Testament? Um, uh, Wisdom, righteousness, and redemption. And I thought about the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, thinking about uh, Jesus. And can you please read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 30? It says, And because of him... You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Mm. So I just want to say two things about this, because the easy thing to say is, cool, what Jeremiah is saying is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Cool. That's boring. Not the, not the truth. That's not boring. But that, that connection making that connection and going, ha-ha, see that? Mm. That's boring. It's not Alexandrian enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listeners, please don't hear me saying that Jesus being wisdom, righteousness, holiness, and redemption is boring. Absolutely not. It's not boring. It's not boring. It's exciting. It's extremely exciting. What is boring, though, is if we just leave the connection there. I think what I want to say is this, that when you read 1 Corinthians 1, what you should see here when you see this connection is that these aren't just words that, you know, shun words or whatever, that, that you go, eh, whatever. Jeremiah is written to a people who had been massacred, who had been, you know, exiled, who had seen their, their land and their property and their temple just cataclysmically obliterated. Mm. And so when you hear... That God is bringing a king who is wise, who will establish righteousness and redemption and bring you holiness and sanctification, that is existentially important. Mm. It is deeply, deeply important to a people who would have gone, we have no hope whatsoever. You know, Um, I think that for me, when I've read 1 Corinthians 1, I go, yeah, this is so cool. This is so great. And I'm so thankful that I have wisdom and righteousness and redemption and and that's good and that's fine but i think what i what jeremiah gives us what jeremiah is showing us about jesus is jesus isn't just our own personal savior he is god's holy divine majestic grand king who has a vision of redemption that is bigger than shall we say, just you individually. Mm, mm. And so I think what Jeremiah does is, with Jeremiah in the background of 1 Corinthians 1, it expands and enhances our appreciation of the wisdom of God in sending a king, Jesus Christ. Mm. That's the first thing I want to say there. Second one is shorter. Uh, The second thing I just want to say is that Jesus is in the first instance wisdom, righteousness, holiness, and redemption for the people of Israel. 
Jeremiah is written to Israelites. And so it is for the people of Israel that God had made these promises. When Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, he has become for us wisdom from God, righteousness, holiness, and redemption. That is a change. That is a that is unusual. This is part of the wisdom of God through the cross. The foolishness of God uh, from the perspective of the world in through the cross bringing salvation to Jews and Gentiles. Mm. So none of us should look at this and feel any pride or superiority. We should look at this and just go, yeah, we don't like this. These promises weren't made to us. They were made to Israel. And as a Gentile, I'm a Gentile, you're a Gentile. We get to graciously be part of this. And this this folds into Paul's argument so that he can end there in verse 31 of chapter 1 uh, in 1 Corinthians 1. He mm. goes, therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Mm, nice. his, his point here is to say, Jesus has become for you all of these things, not by your own strength, not because you deserve it, but because of the Lord. Mm. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Yeah. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That is awesome. So there you go. There's my short version of Jeremiah and Jesus. Yeah. Any thoughts about that from you? Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, just thinking about like 1 Corinthians 1, like this is a context where people are arguing, quarreling about who they think is the best leader and mm. who they should follow. And so when you kind of paint that big picture of saying actually no when you realize that the one you follow is jesus who was made you know is the lord of us all promised you know through the centuries beforehand by god who has this massive rescue plan Mm. you know all things under christ it's like okay well well yeah when you realize that and believe it that's what creates unity Mm. amongst the quarreling people yes is this realization the big the big picture yes it's humbling it's humbling. It's like, okay, um, all right, I, I don't need to fight around yes. who, who I think is the better speaker. That's really helpful, actually, because what it shows us is, and you're right, Paul, in calling on unity, he has a few tools that he uses. One is we follow the same Lord. Another one is we're members of the same body. Another one is to tell the Jews, you guys were the ones that messed up, and to the Gentiles, you don't, you, you are guests here. Mm. <laughs> you don't need, you were, these promises weren't even yours. Mm. He's almost like you know, the mean girl saying, you don't even go here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's another tool that he uses to, to call for humility. Yeah. You guys are guests at this table. Yeah. Anyway. Nice. Yep. That's really good. Thanks. Let's man. finish with a game of guess who. You're guessing. Yep. I've got a character for you. Okay. And, uh, well, you know what? You tell me. Do you want hard mode or medium mode? I think hard mode is like super hard mode in your... I'm going to go... Can I go for like Milo? Is there like a middle <laughs> Milo? Is there like a... No, uh, let's go hard. Let's go hard. You sure? All right, let's do it. You're making me know. When you say you're sure, it's like a... I, you know. All right, let's do it. It's going to be someone that like I might get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah, right, yeah. all right. Uh, well, I also have great trust in your ability. Uh, okay, okay. Should I not have trust no, in your no, ability? No, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, go for it. Um, does this person first appear... In the Old Testament. Yes. Mm, does this person appear before um, to Samuel? Yes. Yes. Mm, mm, interesting. Um, is this person a male? Yes. Um, is this person... Um, 
does this person appear before Ruth? Does this person appear before Ruth? Yes. Interesting. Sorry, when you say before, do you mean chronologically before? I mean, like, in, in the book order? Book order. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. My clarification question might help you there. Okay. Anyway. Interesting. That is interesting. Four questions, 16 more to go. All right. Um, does this person um, speak? Does this person have a leadership role? Yes. Okay. Does this person, um, does this person appear in Exodus? No. Mm. <laughs> does this person appear in Deuteronomy? No. Mm. Interesting, interesting. So we're talking about Joshua. That's what I've deduced. I might be wrong. Um, does this person appear um, before Joshua? No. Yeah, okay, all right, all right, we're on to something. Um, okay, now what do I know about Joshua? All right, Do does this person... Um, help Israel? Uh, does this person appear like... No, forget about that. Forget about that. Is this person a military commander? Um, yes, in a mm, manner of speaking. In a manner of speaking. Yeah. That's nine questions, 11 more to go. Um, uh, is this person a, um, a judge? Oh, no, sorry. Is this person a, um, um, is this does this person uh, is this person portrayed as like sinning against God at any point? Sinning yes. against God. Yes. Ten. Oh, okay. Ten more to go. Um. Male ruler sins against God. This person is an is this person an Israel Israelite? I think so. Yes, yes. Eleven. I'm not sure if I'm going to get it. Um. Joshua, Joshua. Is this person? Does this person have a book of the Bible named after them? No. So it's not Joshua. That's interesting. Is that a question? <laughs> Twelve. Um, eight more to go. Joshua. Oh, Joshua, Joshua. Joshua. Um, is this person... Does this person kill a bunch of people? Yes. Does this person use a strange instrument to kill people? No. I don't think so. Okay, it's not that weird story. Um, Wait, um, let me think. What's the who was the guy with the jawbone? Was that um Gideon? Who was that? Uh, sorry, yeah, the answer is still no. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Um, is this person? Um, does this person die? Is his death recorded? Yes. 
15. Five more to go. Does this person appear in the first half of Joshua? No. 16. Can I give you a clue? Sure. It's not in the book of Joshua. (laughs) 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 Mm. It doesn't appear before Joshua in the books. But it appears before Ruth. What book of the Bible are you forgetting? Judges. Oh, man. Okay. Thank you. That's a helpful clue. That's, that is a helpful clue. Is this person a judge? No. Is this person... Um, does this person's name mm-hmm. start with the letter mm-hmm. A? Yes. Oh, you got two questions left. I'm just going to throw out a random name that, that came to my head. All right, go. Abinadab? No, <laughs> but I'll get, I'm going to give you one more because you got one more question. Um, it's not Abinadab. Okay. A, 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 I'm not going to guess Aaron. That would be silly. I'm going to guess um, Ak. Ant is Absalom. I don't know. We, we gotta we gotta finish it. Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Who is it? Abimelech. Oh, I knew it was uh, something. What, yeah. what was my first one? Abinadab. Yeah, Aminadab. Abinadab. Abimelech. Yeah, it's Abimelech. Same amount of syllables. <laughs> Abimelech, the, the first king of Israel, actually. Not Saul, as some would think. The first king of Israel. I think so. Yeah, in the, in the story, uh, he self-appointed king, tries to do his own thing. His name in Hebrew means? Father of kings. Melech. Abba, Abi. Yes! Hey! That's true. Is that true? Father of kings. I'm not sure if that is Abimelech. True. Yeah. Melech is, um... Is king. King, and yeah. Av, father. But it's mean, Avi, Avi. That's like a... Look ov. at this. Two Hebrew students. That's an, that's an of, isn't it? That's a, um, what's it called? A construct. Yeah, no, no, no. It's father of a king. Yeah, father of king. Yeah, that's right. We were both right. Yes. Abimelech. You don't get that name much anymore, do you? No. Abimelech. But, I, I mean, do you feel like that was the right, appropriate level of difficulty that was a good level of difficulty yes and if i had read joshua recently maybe judges (laughs) if i had read judges recently maybe i would have got it so well done that was good thank you and listeners i hope that wasn't like a bore fest for you me trying to guess i hope it is entertaining i do try and like speed it up and you might hear that and say no you don't (laughs) and look even my even my speed mode is pretty slow so thanks for bearing with that Maybe you guessed it. Maybe you got a Bimelech. I don't know. A few weeks ago, a friend of mine said, I got Hebrews when Pip did it. <laughs> oh. Well, there you go. That's, <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm not bitter at all. Um, guys, in um, a few days' time, James and I will be emceeing the more review, the more comedy night. Yes. Right? So um, keep an ear out, keep an eye out. Hopefully we'll be able to film a little bit of it Get some people on their phones. Or I'll record you doing your thing. And you'll have your thing. My video. Thank you to the amazing Joshua Charles. 
and uh, it's it's bonkers. The music video for the rap is pretty bonkers. You folks heard the rap last week. The video that goes with it is going to be bonkers. I'm looking for. I haven't seen it. I'm looking forward to seeing it because I think it will be bonkers. I trust you when you say it will be bonkers. <laughs> and so, yeah, look, I've got some comedy material I'm working on, workshopping, you know, just got to get the words right, got to get the lines right, you know. What's the deal with all these prayer groups? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> all right, let's finish up. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.